Appreciate you guys, and it's great to be together this uh, Memorial Day weekend, and I hope uh, you are enjoying yourselves, and uh, this weekend I know a lot of us, some of us were down in Temecula, there's about 20 of our members down there, and we called that Maverick Weekend, but we are celebrating Memorial Day, but we all went to see the movie Maverick, and uh, it was all of us that grew up in that era, if you're too young to know what that is, I apologize, but... I felt like I was kind of in high school again, scary enough, but um, it was, uh, we had a lot of fun, and it's just cool when you can have friends that you go to church with, right, where you can hang out outside of church, have them over to your house, that it's not just we go to church and then we go home, but we really care about each other. This is really our family. Uh, you might have heard it during the song, but we even have a family dog. Uh, lady was uh, singing out pretty l- loudly there, so... It was kind of like when you're on the Zoom call with, with work, and then the dog starts barking, and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do now, you know? Uh, but we're happy if you haven't met Lady. Uh, you can wave to her. She's a, she's a uh, uh, what you call it, a helper dog, service dog. And so don't try to pet her, but uh, you can say hi to her. She's super, super cool, and uh, we're happy for Bev there. She's back doing the sound, so hey, Bev, how you doing back there? Um, but today... Uh, we're going to be looking at Romans 12, which is my second favorite chapter in the book of Romans after he, after Romans 10. But, uh, and also I want to introduce to you also we have, uh, there's a sister Carol Bright who's visiting with us through the end of June, ready, right up here in the front row with, uh, Mimi. So please get to say hi to her. And we have Chantrice and friends from Riverside visiting this weekend. So welcome. And, uh, oh, we got all of my boy friends here today. So cool from Orange County, too. So uh, it is awesome to be together. And I don't know if you know, but this past week was kind of a spe- was a holiday in the Christian calendar. You might not know that it was. But anybody know what holiday it was in the Christian calendar this past Thursday? Okay, well, that's cool. I'm going to tell you. So now you're all going to know. It was Ascension Day. Okay? So many days for us. What is it? Uh, Forty days after uh, Jesus, you know, rose from the dead is when he rose up to heaven. So he spent those 40 days with his disciples teaching them about the kingdom. And, and it's cool when you think about the calendar in terms of these kind of holidays, not just to be able to look back and remember, like, wow, that was amazing, the teaching and him... Imagine watching him actually just go and make disciples of the whole earth and then just like going up into the clouds and just like being gone, you know. And that's pretty cool to reflect now to look back. But it's even better when you think about it, but then you look forward to that's going to be me someday. You know, it's cool to look back, but it's better to think about, hey, I'm going to that's where I'm headed and so uh, a good chance to just think about that this week, that we're all we have a destination that's not here, that someday we're all going to go meet Jesus where he went. And uh, I love to think about that. And I don't think I brought the uh, clicker. Oh, yeah, I got it up here. OK, good. So um, we're going to get right into it here. Um, today it's called Faithful Mind, Body and Spirit. And so this chapter really talks about. Having a faithful mind, having a faithful body, and and being the faithful body, and then having a faithful spirit 
or a faithful heart. So I'm excited to be able to get into that. And as Ken mentioned, I did there. I want you to be praying for this conference here in the Middle East. I know not we, none of us are probably going to be going to it, but all the disciples in the Middle East are getting together from about 27 different churches, and this is a huge deal for them. They couldn't, none of them were able to make it over to Orlando for the big conference. But every two years, they all get together and. Uh, we were there, uh, actually it took a year off, but in 2019 we were there for the last one and it was quite interesting because we just take it for granted. Okay, if you have a ticket to Orlando, that means everybody's going to show up in Orlando, right? In the, in the, at the right time. But they had all these people from Jordan that drove through Syria and you had to go through like 10 different checkpoints before they got to Lebanon. And so at every checkpoint, guess what happens? You gotta to talk to the officer, they check your car. Any other guesses what happens? You gotta pay, right? Okay, so every checkpoint is not just a checkpoint, but it's like a toll booth, you know, on the way out. And even the leaders of the churches in Syria were not able to go. So they made it through all the checkpoints, they made it to the border, they couldn't go, and then they've been kind of wandering around Syria. Ever since, from city to city, there's not really a church there that we know of because of, you know, the civil war and everything going on. So pray for our churches over there, and uh, thank you so much for everybody. We have uh, given over $200,000 as a region in the last couple of weeks, so you can give yourselves a hand for that. But they are so grateful, and uh, so grateful, you know, more than that, they're grateful for your partnership, your prayers, your friendship. And uh, hopefully we can all get over there. Hopefully you can get over there someday to really have them thank you in person. Uh, but keep them in your prayers as they come together uh, and for their unity there. So my first point is a faithful mind. And a faithful life begins with a faithful mind. This chapter talks about being renewed and transformed. That God has wants to renew us so that we can fly and we can be who he created us to be. So in verse, I'm going to read you verse 1 and 2. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, up until this point in the chapter, he has not told them to do anything. He's not given them any commands. He's not told them to do X, Y, and Z. He's not rebuked anybody. He's just been talking about this grace that God has given them, that we all fall short, that none of us gets to heaven on our own merits, that we all need Christ, and who is talking to them about the Jews and the Gentiles, and just was Hard for them to fathom, being Jewish, that the Gentiles were able to come to. And so now he's talking about this mercy. And without mercy, our Christian lives are worthless. Without a gratitude for what God has done for us, we can do all the things in the world and God won't even care. You can give, you can show up, you can do all the things we said without faith without gratitude, without the view of this mercy, then everything I'm going to say next isn't going to matter. And so I went back and just in chapter 8, just wrote down a few things because I, sometimes we read that and we say, well, in the view of God's mercy, 
offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. And we just kind of blow by that. But God wants us to sit there for a while and think about what is God's mercy? What am I supposed to look at? What is this view that he's telling me? And he goes through in chapter 8, and you can go back and read it. But he said that in Christ there is no condemnation for you. So that there's no judgment. There's, there's no, no, there's mercy. You're free. You're clean. You're perfect before God. He says in Christ, in view of his mercy, there is life. That we get to live life the way we were created to live. We get to live a holy life, one that there's no regrets, one that's full of purpose and love and encouragement. In view of his mercy, we have, we have the promise that we will be raised from the dead. That we're going to follow Christ up to heaven. In view of his mercy, we are the children of God. That we get to call him Abba, Father, Daddy. That we have full adoption into God's family. I like to think of it another way. If anybody messes with my kid, guess what? who they're messing with? Me, right? And so as much as I want to be a Christian, if you come up and you hurt my kid, I'm probably not going to be real Christian for a while and you're going to have to deal with me. But that's how God looks at us as his children. If anybody messes with you, they got to take it up with the creator of the universe. That there will be, that he's got our backs, he's got our fronts, he's got our sides, that we can trust him, that he loves us. You ever get your kid, your kid something really exciting as a gift? Anybody ever done that? It's not a rhetorical question. Who, who's gotten your gift? You got something, man, they're going to love this. This is incredible. Who, who's gotten their gift something? Coco? Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to call you out. I thought you were excited there. Okay, Vivian? A car. Okay, that was pretty awesome. And Maya liked it. Or Juan liked it. Or somebody liked it. Or Isaac liked it. Somebody liked it. Right? It's so exciting when you know that you're going to meet the needs, that you're going to make their day, that they're going to be so grateful. And to think about in Christ, that's how he is with us. He wants to bless us to make us happy, to meet our needs. He knows he's like a father or a mother that's so excited to bless us. That's how... If that's how we treat our children, how much more will he treat us? That's what Jesus had to say about that. It says that we are co-heirs with Christ. That his inheritance is our inheritance. I don't even know what that means, but that is pretty awesome. He's given us his spirit to intercede for us in prayer. That somehow the creator of the universe lives in us and he intercedes for us. He asks God for us. He, he provides for us. He gives us strength. He gives us words. He gives us courage in times of need. And he says that we, that nothing separate can separate us from Christ. That nothing can come in the way and get in the way from his love for us. And he says, therefore, because of this, we can go through anything. We can go through death. We can go through challenges. We can suffer. We can be patient. Because we're looking forward to our future with him. And I pray that today, I don't know how grateful you are today. 
I don't know how grateful you are right now as you think about your life, as you think about the blessings that God has given you, the place where you live, the family that you're in, the job that you have, the blessings that you have, the, the, everything that God has given us. But he's saying that now is the time to think about that. Before we go on to the rest of the service, we're going to take communion together now before we finish the sermon. Because it's important for us to remember why we do what we do before we think about what it is that God wants us to do. So let's take, I'm going to say a prayer here. Let's take some time to consider God's mercy and to offer ourselves as a pleasing sacrifice to him. And it goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the time to renew our mind, to consider the blessings that God has given us, to consider his love, to consider the forgiveness that he's given us, no matter where we're coming from, that he wants to renew us so that we can be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to come to you. We thank you for this immeasurable reservoir of mercy that you have for us. We thank you for your love that is beyond comprehension. God, I pray that even now that we can be grateful for everything that you are to us. Not just for what you give us, not just for how you take care of us, but just for who you are. That we get to be included in your family. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his body and his blood that were broken for us that we can have this incredible mercy from you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to be able to renew our minds. It's good to be able to remember Christ. He wanted us to do that every week. We can do that every second if we want, because we're not any more forgiven or less before or after, but we still have that opportunity to remind ourselves and to repent and to come back to God and renew our minds. Let's continue reading in verse 3. My second point is a faithful body. He said, for by this grace given to me, this grace that we just thought about and talked about, 
I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, all these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And now, uh, I don't know if you have anybody in your family that tends to need this encouragement at the beginning here of not to think more highly of yourself than you should. I see family members looking at one another. But God is just reminding them, hey, you're all in this together. You're not better than anyone else, that we all need this grace. And we all belong to one another. You know, it's kind of a big thing to be our own person these days, isn't it? To have our own path in life and our own direction and our own talents and our own calling. And and in a way, he's saying it's not really about you. It's about us. It's not really about your direction. It's about God's direction for all of us. It's not really just your life, that your life belongs to that person's life. That we all belong to one Another, we are members of the same body. That we're unique, but we're still together. You know, my my finger is unique from my foot, but they still have the same DNA. And sometimes we can forget that, hey, we're all, we want to do our own thing. And that's really kind of a modern mindset, but to think that we're all the body of Christ. You know, even if it's people that are in town visiting, we don't even know them, but they're they're part of Christ because they've given themselves to Christ. Because Christ has given himself to them. And that is the faithful body that I want to talk about today. There's been a lot of sermons about having our own body being the temple. That's a great sermon. That's not the one we're going to have today. But the faithful body that I'm talking about is this faithful body here. You know, if you thought about what would God's vision be for his body? You know, would you picture God and say, man, I'm going to, Jesus is going to die for this. We're going to have this new community. And really what I want him to do is just sit on the couch and just have a drink and just hang out. That's not very inspiring, is it? Think, God, I'm going to send my son to die so that they can just kind of take care of themselves. So they can just think about themselves. So that they can just, you know, encourage one another, but not really think about those that are hurting. So they can live in a way where they don't get so uncomfortable that they're always comfortable. No, I don't want them to step out too far because I don't want them to be uncomfortable. I want them to just always live in this little comfort zone. Is that the Jesus? That wasn't Jesus' life. He lived and he went out of his comfort zone. He lived for others. He brought this glorious picture of God healing the sick and taking time for the children that were just property at that time, for raising up women, for lifting up those that were possessed by demons and for calling people to follow him that weren't the best people of the day. That's the body of Christ. 
When we're living like the body of Christ, we're, we're, we're highlighting God's qualities. We're lifting up things that he lifts up. We're encouraging others. We're not just thinking about ourselves. We're not just doing things the way we want to do things. We're doing the way Christ wants us to do things. We're not just coming to sit on the couch, which is what we can be doing now, and then going home and then coming back and sitting on the couch again next week. That church begins, God's body begins when we leave here, when we get together, when we encourage one another by the fellowship, by the time together. Having a faithful body. I love this picture of people playing and jumping and doing backflips. And there's not, probably not many of us that could ever do a backflip, but that would be pretty cool. I think Aaron could do a backflip at one point, right? No? All right. If anybody could, it would have been him. <laughs> but I think God wants his body to be something that he is inspired by. That we can look to and be proud of. That we can see, man, look at us. We're doing backflips. Spiritually, most, for all of us, for most of us. But let me, let me read a little further. And I, this wasn't really my plan for the day until I read this chapter, and then this kind of became the plan for the day. So you'll see what I'm trying to say here. He says, we have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, he mentions grace in every section, that mercy that we were talking about. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, (coughs) excuse me, do it cheerfully. So he's talking about gifts and serving and roles and Needs and having this healthy body and everybody meeting these needs and using their gifts. And, you know, we talked about people giving for, for missions recently and just saving up and, and putting their heart out there and their prayers and their love and, you know, having that spirit. You know, when it comes to giving, how is your, how are you using your gifts? You know, to be able to faithfully give is, a, is an honor. It's a blessing. And yet sometimes people, we don't. We don't use the gifts that God's given us. I don't know, maybe we think they're ours. You know, we're able to teach, but we don't teach. We're able to give encouragement, but we don't give encouragement. And so many of you have given, and I want to encourage this church, because this is not a church that sits back. There's so many of us that have served and given and loved and encouraged for years, and this has become your life. Not just because people are asking you, but because that's your heart. Because of what God's done for you, you want to encourage, you want to lift up, you want to build up. This isn't just a church, this is your church. This isn't my church, this is our church, this is your church. You know, my hope and prayer is that everybody, whether you're here or whether you're online, is that you look at this church and this is your church. That just because I'm paid by the church doesn't mean that I do all the work in the church. 
You know, because it's it's not my church. It doesn't say Church of Scott Sweeney on it. No, it says the Church of Christ. That's all of us. And I hope that as you see it, and I know that so many of you serve in so many different ways, but I hope you feel encouraged because you're making the body of Christ just a little bit better. You're making it a little bit brighter. You know, a couple weeks ago, or last week, we had an announcement when in these kind of announcements, you don't really know how they're going to go. So it's a, I, I say them with, with fear sometimes. But when Rick, Rick and Donna Mark, they, he had uh, hurt his back and then she had fallen and, and hurt herself. So basically none, none of them could do anything. So they needed like food. They needed it like now. And so last Sunday we had an announcement. We prayed and it was a soup, so encouraging that there was a couple that went to their house right from church. They got food, and they just didn't go home. They went over there. They brought them food. Two days later, another sister brought over like $200 worth of groceries. And they were all, because they were requesting like all these special needs, like soft foods and this kind of thing. And, you know, all the, and she had all the, all the right things, and she had it all there for them. And it was like, wow. And then other people have brought meals after that. And you're just like, wow. That is so awesome. But that's who we are. When there's a need, people step up, right? And so how do you think the Marks feel about this church, their church, after this week? They could tell you they're online, they can't come. But we're going to see them afterwards. But They're feeling like, man, this is what an amazing church, man. They're so incredible. They met my needs. They're probably telling their family, oh, my gosh, you won't believe it. This girl brought, I don't even know her. She brought over all these groceries today. Because that's the body of Christ. And they didn't do it so that they would just tell all their friends how great they were. They just did it because of the mercy of Christ. And there was a need. And it was like a home run. Right. As much as I was like, well, you know, imagine what it would have been like if I would have been like, okay, there's this need. There's this couple. They they need meals. They need all this stuff. And like nobody showed up. What would they be saying this week? Like, oh, man, this church is I'm not so sure about this church. And man, this is not exactly, you know, but it's amazing when we I just want you to think a minute because that's us. This is what the church does. This is what the scripture is about. And now I want to just talk a little bit, if I could, about a month or two ago, we talked about Kids Kingdom. I don't know if you were here. You might not even remember it. All of you serve in amazing ways, so I love you. But just take that in mind when I have to say this, okay? We talked about Kids Kingdom, and now, you know how many Kids Kingdom workers we have working today? Four. You know how many we're supposed to have? Ten. Right? You know who they are today? My wife, Alicia, my son Connor, and a couple other people, and Lulu and uh, and um, Allie. Right? Minister's wife, other minister, minister's kid. Why are they all there? Because they didn't want to close kids' kingdom. Because we didn't have people to serve. 
I'm just saying this is the body of Christ, right? We don't want it to we don't want to close the doors on those kids. But it's time for all of us to look at your church and make it what you need it to be, what God wants it to be. I don't know why, and I'm I'm not just picking on this little thing, but if, if the if the marks was like a home run, a grand slam, this was like a little bunt where you run to first and the only way you get there is because there was like a throwing error. It's like you barely hit the ball and you barely survive to get the first. That's what they're doing back there right now. I mean they're they're barely surviving. And that you know, and there's always a good and bad in every church and every family. There's good things, there's bad things, etc. But it just got me to thinking, like, why do people respond to this thing, but they don't respond to this thing? And I thought of a few different reasons, and maybe some reasons that I've heard are, you know, I don't serve in Kids' Kingdom because my kids don't go to Kids' Kingdom, right? So you heard that before? My kids don't go to Kids' Kingdom, so I don't need to serve in Kids' Kingdom because it doesn't really affect my world that much, and if my kids were there, oh, of course I would serve, okay? Or people say, well, my kid, I don't even have kids, right? I'm single, I don't have kids, I'm married, I don't have kids, so I'm not really, I don't even know what to do with kids, I'm not in the whole kid world, so I don't go, I don't do the kid thing, and maybe when I have kids, I'll do that, or maybe when my nephew's there, I'll do it, or something, you know, so there's not that my church attitude, right? Because if your nephew was there, you probably would do it. But that is your nephew because that's your, the kid of your sister or your brother in Christ. You see where I'm going with that? Or maybe all my kids are out of the house, so I did my time. I mean, I served every year for like 15, 20 years. And now I am done. Like, I made it to the finish line and I just collapsed. (laughs) So you don't, you can't serve your grandkids? Right? It's like, this is our church. Because in the past, maybe it would be like, oh man, I finished, I'm collapsing at the finish line, and now the next set of parents is going to come in and help out, but there is no next. Right? So there is no next person to step up. And so that's why we're, we have what we have here today. Or maybe it's like, well, I'm not really around during the summer, so I don't really want to commit because I have integrity, you know. So I, if I tell them I'm going to be there, I want to be there. So I'm not going to be around that much, so I don't really want to commit to that. You know, and so I just want us to search ourselves. I was thinking about it. This is off script right now, okay? At the beginning of last fall, you know what our theme was? Probably forgot. I had to remind myself. We're better together, right? Why did we do that? Because it was time to all come back together. It was time to all come back to church. And if you can't come for medical reasons, we love you and we understand. But if it's not for medical reasons, it's time to come back for church. It's time to serve. It's time to restart worship, kids' kingdom, serving. You know, we had the the brother's been opening up the church for like five years. He said, you know what, man, I can't do it anymore. And that was just like, oh, my gosh, who's going to do it? 
come early, open the building, etc. There's always something, right? There's always another thing, but it's that heart of, hey, I want to build up my church. What are my gifts? How can I use them? How can I build up the body of Christ? I'm looking around. I'm preaching to the choir here because a lot of you are doing a lot of stuff, right? I'm looking around here. I see, and I, I recognize that. So you're serving, and you're giving, and you're sacrificing. Amen. Just say amen. I'm going to keep doing whatever I'm doing with all my heart, with my soul, my mind. I'm going to keep going after it. And if you're not, that I want to encourage you, this is your church. And every once in a while, it gets a little tiring doing what we're doing today. Because I don't think those issues are really the real issues. I came up with three of my own reasons. I think sometimes we have a confidence problem. We lack the confidence that we can make a difference when we serve. We lack the confidence that we have something to give, that we have something to offer, that God has given us talents to be able to make a difference. Because when we have that confidence in God's grace, we know that God's going to use us. We know that it makes a difference. Maybe a, a, a lack of vision where we don't see, you know, where is our church going? How is God working on us? How is he going to use, whether it's kids or whether it's our Bible talk or whether it's the future, like God has this amazing plan. Do you believe God wants to bless your life and your church? I do. Do you believe he works out everything for your good, not just for your good, but for the church's good? I do. That means that God has vision of what he wants us to be. And sometimes when we don't have that vision, we lose it in the day-to-day needs that come across our way. And what I talked about before, a lack of ownership, that sometimes it, you feel like it is my church, me as the minister, or Poncho as the, the family group leader, or Lewis as the, the core group leader. It's like, well, this is their church. They'll take care of it. And I love you guys. You know that. I've been here for eight years. I love all of you. But that's my prayer, that we will be the faithful body of Christ, that we will make God proud, that we'll have vision, that we'll have confidence, that we'll have faith. Our best days are not behind us. They're ahead of us. I believe that. I believe God believes that. I don't think God was like, oh, that was great. What we did back in the past, that was incredible. I wish I could go back there. God's like, no, I can do that now. I can do that easy. I can do so much more than that. And I believe that he has an amazing plan for our church, for each one of you. And I want to close out. I want to just encourage. um, This is my other body picture. And all those little circles were like, we got to fix this, we got to fix that, we got to fix it. We go to the doctor and they tell you what's wrong, not just so that you can go home and be depressed, they tell you what's wrong so it can get fixed. But I want to encourage um, a couple people there, Allie and uh, Ted, Ted uh, Jones and Allie uh, Boyer. And it's just so cool that as they, they got, they both got baptized in the last few couple years and saw a need in the teen ministry and wanted to help the teens 
You know, they wanted to get with them. They wanted to have fun with them. They wanted to teach them the word. They, they didn't really know what they were doing, but they just wanted to help out. Allie's in there, I mentioned, in Kids' Kingdom. Just because she has a heart to want to help, to want to serve. And I know that so many of us, we have that heart. Maybe we don't know exactly what to do. I think if we look around, you can find something to do. But my vision is that every single person in the church has a, a role, has a job, has an area that they're serving in, that they're connected, that they're making a difference. Because we're happier when we serve. I think we're happier when we're in Bible studies, you know, and this is a chance to be in Bible study every week with a little kid who's going to grow up to be a not-so-little kid. Have you seen my son lately? I mean, he's like 20 years old. He started out as a little kid here. That's what God does. He takes something insignificant and makes it into something great. And sometimes we look at the final product and we go, oh my gosh, I want that. And we don't realize it starts with a little mustard seed. That if you don't have vision for that little mustard seed, it's not going to become what God wants it to become. And so hopefully we've helped each other to raise our vision today of what a little bit of God's mercy will do in his church. Amen? Amen. Ava, I don't know what that is. But um, nobody named Ava here, I don't think. That's supposed to say a faithful soul, right? Our mind, our body, and our soul. And uh, this, this part talks about our heart, the heart that God gives us. We're, we're not just doing all these things, but we're doing it with the spirit and heart of Christ. And this passage in Romans 12 is basically the, the Beatitudes of Romans. This is like the church. This is the vision that God has for our community, for ourselves. It's challenging, but it's inspiring. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking your zeal for God, for his mercy, for his love for one another. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, as we talked about with the Marx family. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's a tough one, isn't it? Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That God wants us to have a faithful heart where we're committed to these things like Christ. And we're reminded that we end up where we started because we need a lot of grace. Hating what is evil, being devoted to one another, never being lacking in zeal, praying for those who persecute you. Blessing and not cursing. Practicing hospitality. Man, that's humbling. There's a lot of times when we don't do these things, right? We get angry. We get frustrated. We don't want people over to our house. We get busy. 
And yet God is reminding us of Christ and how we need that forgiveness. We need that mercy so that we can be merciful to others, that we can be joyful in difficult times. We can rejoice with one another. That's easy. And we can mourn with one another. Sometimes it's not as easy to rejoice with one another because we're competitive with each other. We're not really happy for them. We're upset that that wasn't us. But to have genuine love for each other, to overcome evil with good. I think God's taught us a lot about overcoming evil with good in the last couple of years. He's taught us a lot about things that need to change. And a lot of those things are right in here. Right in here. And right in here. Our mind, his body, and our hearts. And I pray that today that you are grateful for the mercy that God has given you. I, don't, I pray that you're not discouraged because I challenged you a little bit. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. That's what we need to do to one another. And I pray that you can have faith and vision for what God wants for your life and for his church. And if you're just here visiting with us, we're happy that you're here. I pray you can have that vision for yourself, too, that you can find that community that God wants you to find. So thank you so much. That's all we got.